Hey, it's Stu with Bitcoin and Financial Independence, and today I'm going to be replaying from my archives episode 50. This is from last year around the same time. It's my interview with the founder of Early Bird, Jordan Wexler. This episode is less Bitcoin focused and related, but it still might be applicable to you if you have family or friends that are not into Bitcoin and possibly more into stocks and things like that traditional finance. So if that rings true with you, hang in there. I think it's worth learning about this platform and what it can do for you. Early Bird is a custodial brokerage account platform. It's an alternative to a 529 account with more options and flexibility for what your kid can use the funds for once they become of age. The platform largely invests in index funds in the stock market. And the reason why I like it is it allows me to attract money for my kids and divert some of the money that extended family might spend on toys at Christmas and on birthdays and just all the plastic junk. Instead, we can at least put it into stocks, which are a decent inflation hedge. Obviously, as long as the government prints money, stocks tend to go up, but uh, still better than cash and better than um, excess amount of toys, in my opinion. They were at one point trialing holding Bitcoin, but of course you can't self-custody through the platform. And they also had Ethereum as an option as well, which I now find annoying, but I have had several back and forths with Jordan Wexler, the founder, about the issues with Ethereum. Uh, when I first started the podcast, I was not a Bitcoin maximalist, so that really wasn't an issue to me at the time. But I, I do have a little bit of Bitcoin in the account for one of my kids. Um, I don't think that's really an option right now. And of course, most Bitcoiners would want to self-custody that. But anyway, uh, I'm not sure where that's at with that feature, but it was there for a time. What I like most about the platform is that it gets grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, whomever you invite, they can contribute not just funds to the child's future, but also usually include like a picture or a video or or just text, a, a message, and build up what's called emotional capital. And we explore what this means more in the podcast, but I believe once the child gets control of the money, they will also be able to see all of the messages and the videos and the life advice. You can share life advice. You can share lessons learned. You can share all sorts of things. And they'll hopefully feel a great responsibility to use this money wisely, whether it's used for starting a business, buying a home, buying a car, traveling, going to school. It's really up to the kid as far as what they choose to use the money for. It's, like I said, more flexible than a 529. And if your kid maybe isn't going to go to college or if you want them to have other options other than college, this is a good way to start building up that money, in my opinion. So if you've got family members not into Bitcoin, but into stocks and investing, they will probably like this and it can maybe tame down some of the over-consumerism of Christmas and the holidays. They also do stuff for birthdays. You can make birthday cards in the app. They'll give you a template and you can update the details and share that with your kids' friends. I know for me and my elementary school and preschool age children that you feel this pressure uh, when it's a birthday. The whole class pretty much shows up and you think you have to get some little rinky-dink plastic toy from the store because everyone else is going to get it or vice versa. They feel that for you. Um, but this gives parents an easy out, I think, where we'd be perfectly happy receiving $3 of investment for their future, something like that. So again, this is a good way to curb some of the junk and to put it towards something more productive and save you a trip to the store, take the pressure off of parents. And I really love that feature. Full disclosure. I am a brand ambassador for this company. And if you do sign up with my link, you get $25 invested towards your kids and one month free to try Early Bird. 
They don't charge assets under management. That would be terrible. They charge a flat fee. And if you don't have a kid yet but have one on the way and want to get started, it is free until the baby arrives and then the, the gifts that you receive are then invested. Um, but after that first month free that you get with my link, the pricing is just $3 a month for families with one child or $5 a month for families with multiple children. And there is a fee that family and friends would pay to send a gift, but you as the parent, if you want to contribute, there's no fee to contribute as the parent of the child. But there is a gift processing fee for family and friends, just so you know. I'm not sure how much that is. I haven't looked into that much, but anyway. Finally, I'll just say that they just announced a funding round of $4.5 million. I know it's a pretty tough environment to be raising funds, venture capital-wise. So impressive they were able to do this, in my opinion. And I do think it is one of the better platforms, one of the better ideas for kids these days, especially for people that are in the traditional financial world and don't really understand or see the need for Bitcoin at this point. So with that, we're going to cut and jump into my interview with Jordan Wexler. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Glad to have you on. Glad to be here. Yeah, so just a quick overview of how we met. Uh, as I meet most of my guests, it's through LinkedIn. And I believe your co-founder, Aaron, is the brother-in-law of one of my good college buddies and is working with you at this company called Early Bird. And more than that, I use this app called Sweater. It's this platform that makes venture capital accessible to everyone. And I believe you're one of the first five companies to receive some venture capital funding from Sweater. Uh, so that was really cool. And I looked at those five companies and what they were all about. And yours was by far the most interesting one to me. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Sweater is an amazing community and definitely doing some exciting stuff in the venture world. So we are really proud to be one of their flagship investments to, to kick off their whole fund. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. You know, there was so much hype with the Sweater launch just to see. I was so curious what it was going to be, those first investments. And uh, let's, let's jump right into it. What is, you know, maybe the problem that Early Bird is trying to solve? What's, what's the space that you're in a little bit? Yeah, so Early Bird is really focused on family finance and truly helping to create equal access for all American families to be able to start investing in, at day one for their kids. Uh, unfortunately, the majority of American families today are not investing in their kids. It's almost 70% of American families don't currently uh, have any type of investment account for their child. And uh, there's just this massive separation with the wealth inequality gap uh, that we see where, of course, the top 5% of the U.S. Um, is you know, dominating most of the wealth creation through, of course, the behaviors of investing. And most of the American families uh, are not able to position their kids so that they have that financial foundation when they turn 18, right? There's a necessity to be able to provide our kids with some kind of financial empowerment so that they really can be able to make decisions and not be hindered by the financial burden of going to college or starting their first business or traveling or being able to do the things that will allow them to achieve their dreams. So that's really where Early Bird is focused and the problems that we're looking to solve. 
That's uh, that's super interesting. I totally agree that, you know, it's tough out there because, man, there's so many ways I could take this, but, but basically I feel like a 529 is super rigid and it's geared towards college. You know, there's a whole bunch of different plans between every different state. You actually don't have to live in the state to use that plan, uh, but there's just confusion. And, you know, even Google and some of these other big companies, more and more, there's such a labor shortage now. I think it's kind of the demographics of America where there's more and more older people, but we're not having as many kids. And so, you know, they're starting to get rid of those college de- degree things. And I, I question how long, especially with, you know, we, we know all the student loan forgiveness drama, but essentially we're just subsidizing and transferring that, that debt to all the taxpayers. I just question, I mean, we're enabling colleges to, to uh, keep charging more unless the system changes. But anyway, the point is, is that I, I found a 529 too rigid. And so I wasn't excited about it, but yeah, this is kind of like a custodial account for your kid basically. And which I've looked at, but those are also a little bit confusing. This was the easiest, simplest one for me to understand. Yes. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Right. When as a parent, you really have two options that are really important to look at. Right. You have what you just talked about is a 529 plan. 529 plans have been around since the 90s. Unfortunately, they're only adopted by about 11% of all American families. So, you know, over almost a 30 year period of time, it just hasn't really become that vehicle that should be synonymous with literally having a child. Right. That's the whole purpose of this. And the problem, as you mentioned, is that. 529 plans are state-run, so they're state-by-state. They're not a federally kind of mandated and uh, centralized account, which creates a lot of confusion. So now every step, depending on what state you're in, you get the advantages of that state, but you can actually use a 529 plan at any state. But then the biggest thing that happens is that every 529 plan within the state is actually backed by a large-scale financial institution. So like a Vanguard or a TD Ameritrade or a Schwab will actually back and create that 529 plan. So they're actually run by these large-scale financial institutions, which creates a lot of limiting factors for an everyday family, right? An everyday American family. And so that's the whole, there's just so much confusion. Where do I go? How do I get this started? There's so many questions that you've already lost most families, right? If the user experience isn't clear, simple, and straightforward, you're going to lose the majority. Now, the good thing about 529 plans is that they are tax exempt for accredited institutional spend. So that's pretty much any college. They also now can be used for some high school and middle school expenses, but they really are focused around college. And as you mentioned, there is such a dramatic shift in how we are looking at, you know, what does a four-year college degree look like in the next 20 years, right? Early bird is focused on zero to three-year-olds. So we're really looking at the year 2040. And what does the world look like? And I mean, it's, you know, are people going to be spending $200,000, $300,000, $500,000 on college? Is there an alternative model that's happening? Uh, There's so many ways to learn and get skills these days, like boot camps. And, um, you know, if you want to become an engineer, you can take a six-month or 12-month incredible boot camp that literally would give you basically a, you know, six-figure job right out of that program. So there's so much happening in the education world that it makes it so, as you said, the rigidity of the 529 plan is hard to get under. 
The other side of the puzzle is a custodial investment account. And that's under something called UGMA, which is the Uniform Gift for Minors Act, which allows for a parent or a custodian to create an investment account for a child and begin investing from day one. This account, then you can start to grow from zero to 18 and around 18 or 21, depending on the state, this account then becomes the child, now adult's primary brokerage account. Uh, and so literally now they have this investment account and they can continue to invest for X years, right? Until they're, you know, 60, 70 years old if they want, or they can use those funds at different points to finance you know, the things that they need, like if that is going to college, of course they can use that for college. If that is uh, starting your first business, right? If that is, you know, enough money to move across the country to get the job you want and then be able to support yourself. Uh, there's so many applications of how you can use that type of account. And that's why a lot of people have leaned into the flexibility of a custodial investment. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. Um... I'm quite, so just just a little background. When did you get started? How did you come to to see this problem, and and why did you decide to go after it? Yeah, so I mean, the root of all of this really started with my father. Uh, when I was ten years old, he sat me down and he gave me a thousand dollars in a TD Ameritrade account, and you know, I just moved from his account over to. to a sub account. It wasn't even a custodial investment account, but it was just the process of, you know, a thousand dollars was a crazy amount of money. Uh, and you know, for me, I was like, this is wild. And we were able to sit down. And the whole point was like, let's invest this together. And he basically gave me freedom to sit with him and to completely talk and think through and then literally press the button of buy, uh, you know, these different stocks and, you know, to have that wonderful open conversation about what should we invest in? Why should we invest in? What makes a good company? What's the what's the longevity of a company? How does a company make money? You know, all these just foundational questions that are so important for us to, to understand. Uh, he did it in this context of applied learning, which is he literally gave me the thing and it allowed me to feel ownership and to learn. And it completely changed my life. Uh, and it's something that I've always wanted to, I know the impact for, and I've always wanted to pass on. Uh, and I actually ended up using those funds in that account that grew over you know, the next 15 years to fund my first startup called Succeed Overseas, which is based in Qingdao, China, uh, back in 2012. And so with that, it gave me this incredible opportunity. And it's something I've always wanted to pass on. And then my beautiful baby niece was born, Izzy, five years ago. Uh, and when she was born, I was head over heels in love. And I found myself wasting hundreds of dollars on just the stupidest stuff ever, wasting money. And I was like, this is crazy. I, Uncle Jordan, should be able to invest really easily in this child that I love so that I can kickstart that whole process and that the whole community can invest, right? Uncles, aunts, mom, dad, everybody can collectively invest in this kid so that we can build that financial foundation uh, as a community. And so, that was really the catalyst for early bird. That was five years ago. Uh, we ended up starting the company three years ago. And now to date, we're working with tens of thousands of families and helping them get started on day one for, for their kids. That's awesome. I mean, that's really hitting home because we just had uh, a birthday this last week in my house for my yeah. four-year-old. And 
it's like, okay, do we really need to go from 25 to 35 Hot Wheels? Like, yes. at some point, we have Hot Wheel saturation, and it just is a nuisance, not just to me, but to my kid, you know, not being able to handle all these things. So totally. um, they might appreciate it in the now, but I just think in 15 years, when they have, if, if, if I can get them, you know, this is one of the features is family and friends can gift to an early bird account, which is one of my favorite features. Yes. In 15 years, when you tell that kid, you know, I've been, if your grandpa comes up or your uncle says, I've been giving you 25, 50 bucks a year for the last 15 years. And now let's say this kid has five or $10,000 off their investments. Yep. That kid is going to be so incredibly grateful to that family member that made that choice instead of that hot wheel. Well, the cooler thing about early bird is that that uncle or that parent or grandparent doesn't actually have to tell the child in 10 years because every investment that you make on early bird, you actually are able to record a beautiful video memory, uh, which we found to be the most important piece of this whole puzzle, right? Is that giving money to someone just alone, there's no context, there's no clarity of kind of, you know, Oh, $100 in 2022. What did that mean? Why did I do it? Who was I? Who was Uncle Jordan at the age I am? And, you know, where was I? What was I doing? Why did I do this? Right? All these questions. You can actually create that context with every investment, $100. You can record a beautiful video memory, click send. And now your child has this beautiful, priceless library of videos from all of their loved ones. So it's not just cash, but it's actually what we call emotional capital. So it involves love and support of a child, which is just as important as money, right? Just giving a child $30,000 when they're 18, you know, can be its own scary thing. But to give them also this thing that is people talking to them about how much they love them and support them and, and how much they care about them, what they hope they'll do, that is truly the impact that can change a child's life. And so we made sure that that was a really big aspect of the early bird platform. That's an amazing idea. I'm not even sure I knew that was a feature, but it, it also just kind of makes that sense of awe when they do at some point get to look at those and understand the gravity of it. Just the, you know, what was said probably to them that maybe they owe it to that person. Like I'm going to disperse these funds appropriately, responsibly. There's, there's some level of accountability to totally. when you instill that gratitude. So that's awesome. Yes, I love that. Yeah, that's 100% correct. Um, and the last piece about it is that part of the community is all about that it's not just the responsibility of the parents to invest, right? It is that of the larger community so that we can 10x the AUM contribution so that the power of compounding interest can take true effect. Because if you invest $2,000 into a child before they're two years old and you don't touch those funds, they will literally has over a million dollars by the time they're 65. So you've built an entire retirement account by the, before they're two years old if you've invested that in funds, right? And it shouldn't just be the responsibility of the parent because it's not just them, but it's the whole community that's raising this kid that, that we all love and we all want to build a better future for. That's awesome. Uh, I love that. All of it. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, so I had a handful of other questions. Um, I will say I am set up with my oldest kid um, probably because I felt the most urgency, but I do want to get my other kids set up. It was pretty easy. You know, it uses Plaid to link to the bank account. 
Um, maybe you want to touch just a, briefly on the security of it. I, I imagine it's bank level security, the same as what you would get, you know, with your online bank account or any other bank. Yeah, no, we take security very seriously. Uh, we have multiple layers of user authentication. We have deep levels of KYC so that we have full identity verification that every user goes through. Our system is built with the highest level bank security. And we know the importance and severity of, of any family entrusting us to invest in their child. So we make sure that all data is as securely protected as possible. Um, and it's something that we will continue to improve and ensure that everyone is extremely safe investing on early bird. We also are FDIC insured, so everyone has that backing as well. Awesome. Cool. That's, that's kind of the boring stuff. Um, I guess let's, why don't we talk about the assets that are supported and, and maybe briefly how the fees structure is set up? Yep. Yeah. So how this all works is that a parent would download Early Bird and then they go through a three-minute account creation process. And so we ask a couple questions so that we can help build an investor profile for a parent. Some of the key questions are, how old is your kid? Because again, that really depends a lot on the time horizon that this kid has, right? So that's a big one. Just your general time horizon, right? Are you going to need these funds in the next five, six, seven years? Or is this really for long-term investing, which we hope the majority of course people are deciding. Uh, your investing experience, right? Are you a total novice or do you have multiple accounts or are you already an investor? And then your risk tolerance, right? Where are you as a parent? Are you low risk tolerance? Like if the market changes, which it's pretty volatile right now over the past, you know, six months, uh, is that making you extremely worried and unable to sleep? Then you definitely should be in a much more risk averse, safe kind of investment strategy. Or is your risk a lot higher? You know that over the last, you know, 100 years, the stock market and the S&P 500 has increased about 10% year over year. Uh, and you know that there will be dips, but in the long term, your investments will continue to grow, right? So we build that profile for you. And then we provide you a recommendation for one of five fixed managed portfolios. Uh, and those range from conservative to aggressive. They're all ETF-based strategy. So we've constructed these in uh, partnership with BlackRock. So all iShare ETFs, BlackRock is one of our partners. Uh, and then you choose that. You set a reoccurring investment on a monthly or weekly basis. And in three minutes, you start investing a child's future. Um, and you know, on average, uh, the monthly reoccurring investment is about $70 to $100 per month per child. And you've set that up. Then, you, of course, you can share that with your community and others can gift investments to that kid. As far as the fees go, we have a fixed subscription fee per child. It's $1 per month per child. That will be being updated as, of course, the product has grown and we have a lot more features and functionality. And we need, of course, you know, the community to help continue to support the growth of Early Bird. And we will be changing that to $2.95 per child or $4.95 per family, uh, which is uh, up to five kids uh, on the platform starting in November of 2022. Okay. And I like that it's fixed because, you know, I really struggle with um, assets under management 
Like if you have a 1% fee on your retirement account over the course of a normal 30 retirement, you actually, 1% doesn't sound like much, but over 30 years, it actually eats up half your portfolio. So the fact that you have a fixed fee was one of the main things I was looking for because those fees can really be sneaky, even as low as 1%. Yeah. So that, that was key for me being okay with early bird. Yeah, as well as, you know, this is a large platform, right? It's not just an investment platform, right? We are building out the first wallet for your child. And we are also offering the ability to bring in your entire community for you as a parent to actually leave special moments so that you can log all these important moments of your kid and you can invest in those moments. So it's really a full ecosystem platform. and is a subscription fee, just like you pay for anything, right? And this is always pulled from the parent's account. It never touches the child's money so that that investment account stays the same. And so there's a little bit of shift in mentality. This is not like a Schwab account that, you know, you're setting up and that has their own fee structure. This is a much more robust and immersive platform. And so the subscription fee is, is really small for something that's adding this much value for your child. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, when you only have a hundred bucks in there, the fee is still high, but the more you get in, it, it diminishes over time. So I, I, I still think it's great that it's fixed. Um, so I just want to touch on, I have one other really big question, which is how it affects FAFSA, because yeah. sometimes I think custodial accounts can kind of get in the way. So obviously we talk about 529s and, and college a lot of times is kind of a, a family culture. I know and my dad has even said that he was talking to me about college as a kid. It was just instilled that I'm going to college. Uh, but, yeah. you know, as it becomes less affordable and, and maybe less viable in the future is that it becomes eroded by companies maybe not requiring that and, and boot camps, like you said. Yeah. Uh, but I guess I'm wondering how it can affect FAFSA if a kid has, we'll say, 30000 in that account. Yes, it's a great question and really important to understand. So. Um, for, I mean, everyone that knows, right, FAFSA is all about getting financial aid to help support the large expense of college. And so what FAFSA does is it looks at a parent's full financial portfolio, right? All the money they have, their bank account, their investments, and then calculates how much financial aid uh, can be provided to a family to help support them in college. So when they look at that full portfolio, they will look at, do you have a custodial investment account and or do you have a 529 plan? If you have a custodial investment account, it's considered the child, right? That's the ownership of the child. So they do more heavily weight uh, a custodial investment account. So in your example, uh, say the kid has $30,000 when they turn 18 and they're applying for FAFSA, they would look at and take 20% of that full amount. So that's $6,000 they would calculate as part of the full amount of money that is being calculated for FAFSA. So 20%. And for a 529 plan, they'd look at that and they would calculate about 6%. So there's definitely a substantial, substantial difference there um, and something to be very aware of. And you know, ultimately understand the impact that that, that can have is how much you're going to need from FAFSA, right? Because again, it's one of those things that's like, okay, just to get your kid to start investing from day one, the impact that that has versus just thinking 
18 years in advance of being worried and knowing that I'm going to need FAFSA, right? I'm going to need financial aid is to us definitely, you know, a choice that a family has to go through, right? Are you going to predict 18 years and I'm going to need FAFSA or do I want to get started investing in my child today, putting away money, teaching my kid about investing, showing them that they have these investments, getting them involved, building their financial literacy. And then of course, when that time comes, going through the process and understanding, yes, of course, some of this will be calculated towards the FAFSA, towards financial aid. And, you know, that'll be a bridge that we'll have to cross when we get there. But being so proactive and thinking 18 years ahead sometimes can hinder, I think, the overall value of, of what you're trying to do for your child. So it's a personal opinion purely, but something to think about and consider. Yeah, it's, I mean, due to all the, college things that, you know, that we've already talked about, I think that flexibility, I, I think I value that more uh, just because maybe I want my kid to be more entrepreneurial or maybe how I would do it is instead of them living uh, in, in student housing, maybe I would buy a condo in the city where they go to college and yeah. then, and, or, and they can actually do, you know, some of the down payment or possibly all the down payment, depending on the city. Um, and then they can find two or three roommates to help front that, but they're collecting rent, you know, something like that. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Yes. A hundred percent. There's so many ways to, to get creative. And as, as you just said, we have no idea what even FAFSA is going to look like in 18 years, right? Those percentages can change. I mean, one of early birds hopes and something that we are already very deeply involved in is we want to be on the forefront of policy right now. This whole state-by-state tax exemption from a 529 plan is so broken that there needs to be a change. And we believe that every custodial investment account should have the same type of uh, tax exemption. If you're going to use those funds for higher ed uh, and, and, and college, you should have some greater tax advantage, right? Like, like it's the same concept. Uh, it's just that there's so much deep politics, of course, involved in the 529 world and the states and all that. We hope to be on the forefront of the conversation around disrupting and evolving how these accounts are structured so that every child's encouraged to have one. And we are literally bringing so many families that may be lower middle class or lower class into, you know, a, the next generation that is now a step above rather than either the same or even a step below. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And I, and I was going to mention, you know, FAFSA that can change year to year. Um, and, and it does seem, you know, like our system is nearing a breaking point uh, with all the hot button student loan debt and should it be backed by the government and prop up these schools and all that stuff. So I, I'm not really issuing an opinion. I'm just kind of saying this is a crazy situation we're already in. Same. And I hope everything that I've shared to date is also my personal opinion. That it is not early birds uh, stance or opinion. Uh, some of the things around fast, but these are just all ways to think about, you know, when you have a child, right? These are decisions that you make as a parent and uh, they're all important to consider and understand for us. That is why we talk about just building equal access to all types of investments so that you can make the decisions on your own that you feel are best for your family. Awesome. Love it. Um, I guess final thing to wrap up, is there anything that you are particularly excited about or, or can share about the, the future roadmap of Early Bird? Yeah. So 
for us, we are we are really excited about two things. One of them is this continuing to evolve this idea of emotional capital. What does it mean to leave more than just money, more than just $100 or $500 or $10,000? How do you elevate that process? Because today, you know, money, investing, all these things with the boom of the retail investor, everyone knows now they need to be investing and that this is an important thing. But it's all about how do we create more context? How do we create systems that, that, that build financial literacy and are really supported by your community? And so that's what excites us the most about what we're building towards. And the other part is how we think about what we are considering a modern holistic portfolio. So most people will know that historically, a balanced portfolio is 60-40, right? 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Uh, but that's greatly shifting and evolving as the world changes and as the introduction of digital assets are, 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 are now at the forefront of so much of the economy, which includes cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum. Uh, and knowing that having some exposure in your portfolio is going to be really important, especially with the world that your child's going to live in, Right. Think about the world in 18 or 20 years. What's that going to look like? I mean, of course, it's impossible to predict, but you know, if you are to think about it, digital assets are going to continue to transform so many industries. And it's so important for your child to have ownership in that future economy, in the future of investing. And we want to make sure that we're on the forefront of that. So every family has, again, equal access. So you could build your portfolio as you want, but at the very least, you have access to these different types of assets and you can build up that portfolio as you see necessary. That's awesome. Yeah, obviously, that's the nature of my show is I do talk about a lot of just financial stuff, but I am pretty heavily Bitcoin focused. I don't care a whole lot about some of the other assets. I mean, I got actually started with Ethereum, but I've somewhat lost conviction in it. Sure, it has its place. But anyway, I'm, I'm excited to see how the portfolio is built out over time and as that gets integrated. Yeah, 100%. And so are we, and we want to make sure every American family has access to invest for their kids. Awesome. Well, I'm really grateful for you coming on and explaining your platform, something that anyone with kids, I would encourage you to take a hard look at and see what you want to do. See if this is something that maybe your, you know, your parents, your uncles, your aunts might be more interested in. And maybe a little bit less on the toys because I'm sure, you know, most of our kids have too many toys as it is. So this is something that can have a much longer lasting impact. And actually, you will have a legacy in that kid's life. That kid could have a bigger legacy going forward. It's an awesome opportunity. Yes. Oh, one of our phrases is gift wealth, not waste. So something for everyone to think about. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. And, uh, I'll be sure to post all your links. Oh, where, where's the best place if people want to follow Early Bird and, and stay up to date? Yes, uh, of course, our website, getearlybird.io is a great place to start. You have a lot of good information on there. And then, of course, all of our social handles. You can follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, at giftearlybird is our handle for everything. So, you know, just look us up, literally Google search early birds. One word is a big thing. One word, early bird, and we are the first search results on everything. So easy. Awesome. Yep, I'll make sure I link it all. Awesome. Thanks so much. Really, really appreciate the time.
Hey, this is Stu again. I hope you enjoy that interview. And I wanted to add a few quick thoughts on what was what we talked about. Jordan and I talked after the interview about a few things that we maybe could have touched on, but but didn't. We had some time constraints. But the first thing I want to talk about is that as a parent, you need to focus on yourself first. There are loans for college and there are not loans for retirement. I mean, kind of there is like reverse mortgages, but you really probably don't want to do that. Most of them are really bad uh, with fees and stuff. But the point is, is that your kid going to college can get loans versus your retirement is up to you in a lot of cases, or if you're lucky enough to have a pension or a big inheritance coming your way. But for most of us, retirement is going to fall on our shoulders and we should look out for number one first ourselves. If you are in a good spot financially, then you'll be able to help your kids as necessary as well. So I think that's really the most important thing. Now, as far as 529s, I honestly haven't even really considered these for my kids, but there's nothing that says you can't do both. You can do a 529 for your kid and you can do a custodial account for your kid. If you're doing really well, maybe you do want the tax break uh, that you get from a 529, but maybe you want the flexibility that comes from a custodial account. You can do both. So let's just say hypothetically that you have, we'll say just $1,000 a year that you're going to put into your kids' future accounts for the next 15, 18 years until they are out of the house. You can split that up 50-50, 529 and custodial account, you could do 80-20. It really doesn't matter. It's up to you. So you can get a little bit of the, the tax break if you think they're going to go to college, but you can also have that flexibility money for other things for the kid. So there's nothing that says that you can't do both. And I think that's important to know as well. The other thing that I love about this is that we have grandparents and other extended family that want to give our kids gifts. I think most people can relate to this, but sometimes they don't know what to give and they're just looking at different toys, right? So when you've got enough extended family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, maybe great grandparents, all trying to give your kids gifts for Christmas and birthdays, times two or three kids, it can get overwhelming pretty quick. I know sometimes my wife and I struggle being asked by extended family what they should get our kids. And it, it can be pretty hard for us to come up with six different toys. And you know, your family might be bigger, smaller. Maybe they by default don't want to just give one gift, but maybe they give two. I know grandparents in some cases give more than one gift, right? Two or three or four gifts. I find it a bit overwhelming, uh, a bit of a battle and maybe even just an awkward situation, right? At least for our situation, we're talking getting into the eight present range on top of what Santa's supposed to bring and on top of what we might want to give our kids as well. So it starts adding up really fast into this overload area, this oversaturation of presents. I think obviously as a kid, seeing that huge pile of presents is awesome, but it doesn't take long for the toy fatigue to set in. And, you know, this is just my personal preference but to have maybe less gifts that are more thoughtful. Or a lot of times in our family, we like the bigger ticket items, like a nice new bike. As my kids get into mountain biking and dirt biking and stuff like that, some of that safety protection gear. Of course, we are also pretty into experiences like a season pass to the zoo, or there's these indoor playgrounds that we get passes to as well. So there's some fun things that we get from family that end up being in the experience category. What I think is really cool for families that have kids is to find that balance between toys, experiences, 
And then early bird brings in this third option of this investment aspect, this forward thinking gift given with a memory that Jordan talked about uh, over the years where those memories stacked up and that money accrues. And that all builds to end up being a really awesome gift that just keeps on giving over the years and the years of love and support through these video messages, I think is really cool. So in my mind, maybe this can help you avoid more trips to Goodwill to donate toys over time that become less and less used, have less clutter in your home, less toy fatigue. And maybe it can even turn into this change in family culture a little bit more towards investing and away from consumerism. So just a thought there. I think that's really great. All right, I need to wrap this up. I'm going to include in the show notes Clark Howard's Guide to 529s that will take you through the best plans by state. And obviously you can choose a plan that's not in your state. And you might want to do that if your state has a bad plan with high fees and bad investment funds. So I'll link that. I'll link more about Early Bird and you can do some more research. Not everyone has been lucky enough to have parents like my dad and like Jordan's dad that taught them about investing. So this is also a way that when you have that custodial account that's growing, that's building, as your kid comes into their teenage years, and even before then, you can be showing them how their money's growing. You can show them that they own companies and that you're helping them save for their future and plant that seed in their mind of like, what am I going to do in my future? And they're going to know that you're not just looking out for them today, but it's also going to give them that longer term horizon. Okay, final thing I wanted to mention. We talked about what FAFSA looks at with the parents' income and with the kids' finances and what you have. I don't think that FAFSA looks at retirement accounts like a 401k or an IRA, but they do look at brokerage accounts and cash. And, and also remember that FAFSA changes over the years. FAFSA today is different than when I went to college. Now you can use it on rent, I think, and even some advanced placement classes in high school or something like that. So the rules change. It's gotten a little bit more flexible in recent years. How far that trend continues and goes, I'm not sure. So it's something that is a moving target that can help you or hurt you over the years uh, versus freedom and flexibility of custodial accounts. So there's that too. So do your own research, check things out. I'll try and put everything I can in the show notes to help you get what you need to get started on that research. And you can let me know what you think. If you have more questions, we can try to address those later on in the show and keep learning on the subject. But check out Early Bird. I have a referral link in the show notes and really excited to see what's coming down the pipeline with them and how they do in the future. Remember that financial independence is stewable and not just for you, but also for your kids. And think about how you can give those kids a leg up. And with that, have a stamina day. I'll be back with you soon.